Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptana, and today we'll be doing a deep dive into what the necessary components of a relationship are, how having missing pieces can cause relationships to go bad, and what you can do to manifest them into yours. Clients come to me on a regular basis, wanting to know how to find their soulmate, perfect partner, or that soul-level connection which creates an unending, fiery passion which can be the foundation for their lives. Just as often, I have clients who want to know why, once they've found this soulmate and the relationship fired up, it quickly burned out. Or why it burns with passion when they're together, but cannot survive anything which hints at practicality, routine, or healthy interconnection with the rest of the world. Flip the coin over, and I have clients who describe their relationships as good, and their life as being happy. At the same time, they cheerfully state they haven't had sex in decades, or their partner no longer loves them, or the intimacy is gone and they're now living like roommates. They feel lonely while not alone, and they have everything they want in their life except a solution to the emptiness where there should be connection. There are also clients who describe the relationship with their partner as functional, but unhealthy. They get forced into the role of peacemaker or are constantly at war with the other. They become self-help gurus or amateur therapists trying to educate their partner in techniques which will improve the marriage. These meet with varying unsatisfactory levels of success at the best of times. One of the causes for all this is best described by the story of the blind man describing the elephant. Each man tries to describe the elephant from what he's touching, but he's only describing a part, not the whole. So the descriptions are not only wildly inaccurate, but very different from each other. As children, we're taught pieces and parts about what a relationship is, what it does for us, what we need to get and keep one, and why we need them. Now, when I say we're taught, I don't mean just through books, media, school, and so on. What we experience in our own lives via our parents, our siblings, and our friends teach us more than any book or video ever will. And what we learn may be more about don't do this than this is what you should do. Often, the shoulds are drilled into us through verbal and social expectations and We either go with or fight against them at various stages in our lives. Often, this gives us a very partial understanding of not only relationships, but life in general, and ourselves in particular. We then, starting in our teens, try to work with what we have to find the elephant which matches this mosaic we're holding in our hands, our bodies, and our hearts. Sometimes we don't. Other times we think we do, but often we actually do, and that's the problem. Creating a relationship which matches the concept of relationship we have isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's not often the best thing either. Inevitably, we are left recognizing a piece or pieces is missing, usually the most crucial one, and we're left with the question, why? Quickly followed by, what am I meant to learn from this? And then, what do I do now? What I've found over the years is no matter what you're manifesting, relationships included, no matter what phase of things you're in, 
it really helps to step back a minute and go full IKEA on the project. You know, get out the instructions and see if you can read or understand them. Check to see if you have all the necessary pieces. Make sure you have all the tools you might need. Then prepare the area where you're going to put things together. I find you always need more space than you think you will to Tetris this stuff together. And a hammer to (coughs) finesse things doesn't hurt. The easiest place to start with all this is the parts list. So part one, survival, which means finances and shelter. For some people, partnership or marriage is the only way to make ends meet. It means two incomes or a stable income after instability and uncertainty. It means being able to pay off crushing debt, to go to school and improve their earning potential, raise themselves out of poverty, or get out of negative social situations. For others, it's a merger which makes things much more comfortable and allows the possibility or even probability of dreams and desires being achievable. On the other hand, relationships can take away our ability to survive. Partners can rack up debt in our name, take the resources we've created and stored, leave us with medical bills, children to raise, devastated credit scores, or even sell our house and possessions out from under us. It's not uncommon for people who see their relationship as essentially good also to find it to be a constraint or even a prison, because they aren't able to do anything other than be in it. They are at the mercy of their partner's financial choices, health, and needs, which then drives all their choices about the future and what is possible for themselves. While we might think of survival as something which only concerns those without resources, it's a part of every relationship, including those between people who are abundant, hence the invention of prenups. Part two, quality of life. While this is similar to survival, it's much more about things such as community, social status, networking, access to amenities as well as opportunities. Being connected with a well-paid and respected professional can give a partner access to and influence with communities they couldn't reach on their own. At the same time, a partner can be the one thing we need to build a life in a new community such as entering into organic farming, university academics, a no-waste lifestyle, politics, art collectives, wine importing, community organizing, and so on. We tend to be more aware of this piece in a positive way because it's part of the building a life together and creating relationship through shared interests. We also know it all too well as it's one of the pieces which fails regularly. This can be because while we're using the same words, We and our partner mean two different things by them, or because what we express and what we actually want are two similar, but not exactly the same, things. Or we hold things back until we think it's safe to broach them. And of course, abusers, predators, and narcissists pretend to connect with us and share our interests as a means to use us for their own ends. Part three is others' expectations or the shoulds. That our families, friends, social network, and communities have expectations for us is so common it's notable when some don't. In fact, there are people who suffer because their parents had no expectations for them throughout their childhood, and so they never learned how to set goals, achieve them, or get any satisfaction from completing something. As a child, 
I was told from a very young age I was expected to go to college, meet a man, preferably a doctor or a lawyer, get married by the time I was 24, and have at least two, if not three, children. So far, I've managed the college part. Relationships can be a means to relieve the social pressure we're experiencing from those around us and to meet expectations which have been drilled into us throughout our lives to date. Often these expectations, or shoulds, are so subliminal we think of them as just the way things are, or this is what I'm here to do. However, these expectations can be the opposite of what we need or what is best for all concerned. If we simply defy the expectations we're subjected to by others, we end up defining ourselves by them anyway. We develop a life which is not that, instead of letting it be what it is for its own sake. We can't get rid of expectations because, like various parts of human anatomy, everyone has them, and everyone will express them, often at the most inappropriate times. It's better to examine them so we're aware of what they are and can then choose what to do about them from a place of balance and self-honoring truth. The best way to start this is to locate the shoulds. Anything about relationships or life which comes with an I should or it would be good for me if is most likely an expectation which has been bequeathed to us from others. Bring this out into the light and unplug it from any power source. One of the easiest ways to do this is to imagine having some ridiculous character saying it to you. Think of the expectation being told to you by a garden gnome. Or think of Gilbert Gottfried leaving it as a message on your voicemail. Once it's just a thing and not something active and powerful, which is judging us and making us feel incomplete, bad, or unhealthy, we can start to see what part it plays in our relationships. Part 4. Children While having, adopting, or step-parenting children isn't a part of all relationships, it's a significant component of many. More often than you might think, marriages end up being about bringing children into the world, and once this is done, they fall apart or become untenable. Raising children, healing our childhood through the caring of children, and being a parent can be the purpose of a relationship which is often why empty nesters find themselves at loose ends once the children are grown. They can even find their partner is a stranger and be confronted with the challenge of creating a new relationship from the ashes, like a phoenix rising or conceding it's time to move on. Having children can be a trap, keeping us in relationships which are unhealthy, or push us to sacrifice ourselves to maintain a relationship which otherwise would have ended early on. On the other hand, Relationships can end once the partner realizes the children were the end goal and not the relating. They are a means to an end rather than the point. It's important to not lose the relationship with your partner or have it overshadowed by the relationships you'll have with children. It's also important to remember if there are children in one capacity or another, then they are a significant part of the relationship and can't be separated from it. Part five is spackle. Relationships get used as a means to fill in the gaps we feel we have inside ourselves. In its most romantic form, we think of this as you complete me, or one of us is strong where the other struggles and vice versa. However, it's more common for this to be about bandaging our wounds, making up for issues, or trying to be a solution to a problem. 
This leads us to misjudge our partner in general, because we're seeing them not as a person, but as a solution. We focus on what they fix rather than their needs, weaknesses, or issues. We want help with ours, not to see they need help with theirs. This leads to relationships which devolve quickly into, you're not the person I thought you were. We find the stable, happy person we liked is actually addicted to something, and when they stop medicating, they devolve. Or once past the dating stage, they no longer want to exert themselves to relate and begin treating us like an appliance. Or they have expectations of us, which they didn't let on to during the early phases of things. These come out of the blue and completely change our experience of the person, usually for the worse. We don't have to be perfect, completely healed, or even have all of our stuff together in order to have a relationship. But we should know in general what our stuff is and be able to see beyond it. Part six is passion. All relationships by their nature provide us with the feeling of being seen, known, and wanted. This can be negative or positive depending on why it is and how it's expressed, as anyone who survived a predator or abuser can attest. However, we tend to ignore or diminish our need for passion. This is a major cause for having affairs. We may have absolutely everything else we want in our relationship, but the passion is gone. And while we mentally shrug this off as unnecessary and we do the risk-benefit analysis, which says we should just let it go, we actually need passion as much as we need food. So when we get starved enough, an affair will just happen. We will be confronted with a situation, a person, an opportunity which exactly meets our passion needs. What we choose to do about this is often about the lesser of evils or what we're willing to deal with to balance out our internal conflict. However, the underlying message is we need to correct the imbalance in our life. Relationships need to include passion. At the same time, relationships can't survive on passion alone. If a relationship is based solely on passion, whether an affair, a soulmate, or a soul-level connection, it will be like a jellyfish too close to the beach. One strong wave, and it's on dry land with no means to breathe and no structure to get itself back into the water. It's the substance of a thing, with no structure, and it has no means of surviving the necessary interactions of daily life. So, with all these components laid out now, we can then look at the instruction guide. While some people say no one person can be everything for another person, and this is true, being a good partner and participating in a relationship, which includes all of the components we've talked about, isn't about being everything or even most things. And while all relationships include trade-offs and the need for compromise, we aren't meant to compromise our essential selves in order to have one. To put together a healthy relationship requires we recognize and identify all of these pieces. If we leave one or more out, what we create won't be stable, will need to be propped up, or won't be able to do what we intended. If we have too many of one piece and not enough connectors, the entire thing can fall apart like an Ikea bookshelf in a comedy sketch. We can be left with a lot of laminated lumber and Allen wrenches. Once we know what pieces we're working with, admit to ourselves what we're working with might not be perfect or 
how and where we want it to be, then we have the best chance at healing the relationship we already have or manifesting the partner who would best fit us and the path ahead. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can sign up for my Akashic Book Club, where we read books on all aspects of the Akashics, see all my other offerings, and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.